morning, everyone. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Doug, and welcome to those that are also online this morning that's watching us online, that's going to be watching us tonight, sorry. You'll see me tonight. So you guys get me this morning, and online gets me tonight. So I'm uh, an elder here at Living Hope Church, and every now and then uh, the pastors ask if we can come up and we can speak to the church and speak to those also that are maybe listening from home. So this morning I just wanted to go through a, a message that's called The Dangers of Not Giving Thanks. The Dangers of Not Giving Thanks. So let's pray before we start. Father, I want to thank you this morning. God, for your word, first of all. God, for you. God, for leading us here to this place to be able to hear truth this morning. And God, I pray this morning for those that are going to be hearing this word that they'll incorporate it into their lives. God, that your word says not only to be hearers, but God, to be doers. So Lord, we see this beautiful day that you created. God, the wonderful colors. God, everything that surrounds us. And many people are thankful. But God, very few give thanks. So Father, I pray this morning that your people will hear your word. And God, that you will work it into our hearts. And Lord, this morning, I can do nothing for your people. God, it's you who breaks chains. You're the one who brings truth. You're the one that sets the captive free. Because your word says that you are the way, the truth, and the life. So, Father, we ask this morning that you empower me to speak your word, God, just to be an audible voice for you this morning and for your kingdom. Let your name be glorified this morning, Father. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. So the dangers of not giving thanks. Now, the word of God is clear. And I love when God lines up all the scriptures and everything. Because Pastor Mona told me, speak on anything that you want. And this morning I was reading something that she put on Facebook and it was the same scriptures that I'm using. And this morning, all the scriptures that came is all the scriptures that you're going to hear again. So I love the way that God does that. So the word of God is clear. And it says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now Paul, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 15, says this also. It says, For it is for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now Paul was simply stating to the believers that though times of suffering are going to come, and for Paul it had already started, uh, we have to go forward with the gospel and giving thanks to the testimony of Christ because grace, you see, God is about to extend his grace to a lost world. And many are going to give thanks to the glory of God. Sometimes we don't think gratitude or being thankful, not just being thankful, but giving thanks is going to affect anybody. But if you look at society today, there's not a whole pile of people giving thanks, folks. Everybody's complaining. Everybody has something to say about something. But if through the Christian heart and to the Christian who is portraying who Christ and who Jesus is, it'll change the world. So God declares to us, in all circumstances, give thanks. Because God is working in and around us to extend his grace to a world who desperately needs it. And they're going to see it through gratitude. Sometimes I go through McDonald's. And there's one gentleman there in particular. 
boys, it's hard not to say something. <laughs> but you know, sometimes I'll just ask, how you doing? How's your day going? And their face just lights up. There's a difference from complaining to, you know, just giving thanks and, and, and being grateful. So thanksgiving in the Bible means this. It means to respond to God's goodness and his grace with gratitude. And the word for, thanksgiving, for giving thanks in the Old Testament means this. To raise hands to God in gratitude. You know, when we come to church or wherever, wherever we are, not just church, at home, anywhere. Let me say it this way. Pride doesn't mind if you're thankful. Rebellion doesn't mind if you're thankful. But when we raise our hands and we give thanks to God, it dispels the darkness that's within us. Because you see, it takes humility to come to the place of gratitude. Because gratitude, we're not forgetting the giver of all things. Now, in the, we celebrate Thanksgiving tomorrow. Every second Monday of every year, Jan, on October 11th, we, we celebrate Thanksgiving. Now, on January 31st, 1957, listen to what the Parliament put into place. It says, Parliament officially declared Thanksgiving as a day of general Thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest in which Canada has been blessed. That's what Parliament put in place. Look at society today. It's come a long way since 1957. Took prayer out of the schools. Took all of the Ten Commandments and everything off of buildings. And, and you can see them swaying more and more away from what God is of, of giving thanks, really, of who God is. You see, tomorrow there's going to be many being thankful. There's going to be many people spending time with family. There's going to be many people sharing a meal together. But there's going to be very, very few giving thanks. You know, and, it, and it's kind of part of that, you know, God says there's two roads. There's a road that's wide and there's a road that's narrow. You know, and many take the wide road. Many take the, the road of maybe being thankful for what they have, but very few recognize the giver. Very few recognize God and, and come back and give thanks. You see, there's a difference between being thankful and there's a difference between giving thanks. Thankful is something that you are. Thanksgiving is something you give. There's something, let me give you an example. We can say, I'm thankful for my pastors. It's a different story if I walk up to them and say thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your dedication. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for caring about our community. Thank you for speaking into our lives. Thank you for being obedient to God. Thank you. It's different. Thankful is general. Giving thanks goes direct. In the sight of God, I have a question for you this morning. Is thankful or is being thankful enough? Or are we as a nation, are we as a people missing the mark when it comes to acknowledging the giver? 
and only being thankful for the gifts. Now, you see, I remember having a birthday party at my house one time for one of my sons. And as he received the gifts and the cards, I could tell he was thankful because of the smile on his face with a, you know, with a, a handful of cash and a table full of blessings, full of new things. I could tell the boy was thankful. But when it came time to give thanks to those that provided for him, when it came time for him to acknowledge that people actually went out and spent time shopping for him and came to celebrate with him, he couldn't do it. Now, you see, at that time, he was shy and he was scared. But every year, we give them a chance to give thanks. Because the more that we practice giving thanks, the more we come appreciative of the giver and of the blessing. You know, sometimes we can be like that in the world, can't we? We can be thankful for the blessing, but forget the giver. Giving thanks is really cultivating a relationship with the giver. And we know that God loves relationship, doesn't he? Now in Romans 1, verses 20 to 32, we're going to go through this this morning. And this is the heart and the core of the message. I want you to listen to Scripture and what God says about a society and about a people who fail to give thanks, fail to recognize him as creator. So verse 20 says this, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and they've seen the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Not only those that believe in God, but also those that don't believe in God. God makes the sun come up for those who believe in him, and God makes the sun come up for those who don't believe in him. But God has put his splendor all around us. So there's no excuse for us not to understand that there is a God. And the truth here that he's talking about is this. The truth is, is that God is creator, God is provider, and God is sustainer of life. Those three things all belong to God. And verse 21 says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. It's a key verse here, folks. Let me read it again. They knew God but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. Now we're going to go into what happens when people don't recognize and don't give thanks to God. And it says, And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. And it said, it's like today in society. We live in a society where many, many have refused the one true God, haven't they? They refuse what God is about. They refuse what the truth of the Bible says. And they have, according to their own selfish desires, thought of ways to form some sort of new standard of what God should look like in order to justify what they're doing. But if you're trying to justify what you're doing by creating a God that doesn't line up with scripture then what you've just done is you've created an idol and you've created a false god for yourself 
And verse 22 says this, claiming to be wise, they instead became fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like people and birds and animals and reptiles. Now, folks, in modern terms, it simply means this. That society of that time, society of today has forgotten and they've rejected God. And they're chasing everything the world has to offer. And in themselves and in their own mind, they think this thought. Who needs God? Who needs God? Is what the world is thinking today. So verse 24 says, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each, other, with, with each other's bodies. And it says they traded the truth about God for a lie. The truth about God. Remember, the truth about God, that God is the creator, God is the sustainer of life, and God is the provider. So there was an exchange that was made here. It was like society, society at that time. It was like they, they walked up to a bargaining table. And in one hand, they had the truth of God as creator, as provider, and as sustainer. And they threw it on the table. And they said, we don't, we don't want this. Can we exchange it, please? Can we exchange this truth about God? Give me self-sufficiency. Give me self-reliance. And, and give me a crown that I can put on my head. That I can proclaim myself as God. And I can proclaim that I'm in charge of my own life. That's... that's, that's what they exchanged the truth about God for. So the Bible says, so they worshiped and they served the things of God that God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. And verse 26 says, this is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. And it says, it goes on in verse 26 and 27, it says, even their women changed their natural ways of having sexual relations with men, and men changed their sexual relations with women, and, and lesbianism and homosexuality, everything increased in that society in that time. You see, when a country fails, when a people fail to acknowledge God, and they fail to give thanks to God, God's going to abandon them and leave it to its own shameful desires. And when God leaves us to our own shameful desire, there's only one thing left. It's our own hearts. And the Bible says that our hearts are extremely wicked. And its natural tendency is to rebel against God. So the only thing we have left is to crown ourselves as a king of our own domain. But the problem, you know, it's like, it's like saying as if Somehow we have the power to create breath in our own lungs. It's like saying as if when we wake up in the morning, we've given ourselves another day. That by our own hands, by the power of our own hands, that we can cause the sun to come up. That we can produce our own bounty of food without God giving the okay for it to grow. Folks, there's not a scientist in, in the world, not one scientist in this world with all of the technologies that we have that can take nothing and make something. But yet all the way through the Bible, we see a God who can. You know, we can't produce rain. We can't stop storms. We can't control nature. We can't fix the, the dilemmas of today and, and of this world. We can't even balance budgets. 
<laughs> when we read the Word of God, when we read the Bible, we see a God that can do it and does it all the way through Scripture. So whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, whether you're online or you're not online, God says, come to the table. Let's reason together. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you don't believe in God. Maybe you're here this morning and you just came because somebody invited you. But God says, at least just come to the table and reason with us this morning. Reason with me about what I'm saying. And yet the world continues to disregard God. You see, we have a thought that we can sustain life and that we can succeed without God. And really, you know, it's, it's kind of foolish because it's like saying, I can change the positions of the stars in the sky. It's impossible. It can't be done. Yet the Bible tells us that there's, I mean, the scientists tell us billions and billions of stars in our own galaxy. And God says, yeah, and I've named every single one of them. God has a name for every single one of them. But there's nothing that we can do to change a, a position of a star. But yet we think that we can go on being the sustainer and the provider for ourselves. Verse 28 says, since they thought it foolish, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and he let them do things that should never be done. All because they would not give thanks to God. And it says, verse 29, that their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. Their lives became full of sin and greed and hate and envy and murder and quarreling. It became full of deception and malicious behavior and gossip. They were backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invented new ways of sinning, and they disobeyed their parents. They refused to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless, and they have no mercy. And they know that ju God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. And not only do they do them anyway, they invite others to come in and join them. They encourage others to get on the train and move away from God. I see we're living in a day, folks, where it's far more easier to criticize and to praise, isn't it? We're living in a day where to express disappointment is easier than to express gratitude. To complain rather than to give thanks and to count our losses rather than to count our blessings. That's the day that we live in. You don't believe me? Tomorrow when you're around, this afternoon when you're around somebody, just listen to their conversation. Now the Apostle Paul tells us that we're to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing and to give thanks in all circumstances. You know, Scripture is always calling out to us over and over again. David said, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. And Paul goes on and he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see, we're called to give thanks, not just to, in good circumstances, but in all circumstances, to the glory of God. Because see, we can't let society set the standard for God. God has to set the standard and we have to live it out. God sets the standard, we live it out. Gratitude has feet. Gratitude has some feet, as you'll see with Paul here. I had marked in my notes here, 
If ever there was a person that had a right to complain, it was Paul. He was separated from his friends. He was unjustly accused, brutally treated, and his only bed was the hard, cold stone floor of a dark, dark prison. And I bet you it wasn't an hour that passed that his chains bothered him on, on his hands and on his feet. And I bet you every time in the corridor when somebody was walking up and down, he probably thought to himself, this could be it. This is, they're coming to get me. And they're going to bring me and they're going to kill me. So there he is and he's, he's in a prison all by himself, cut off from society. But instead of complaints, you hear from the lips of this man the words of praise and the words of thanksgiving. Because you see, Paul was a man who had learned the meaning of true thanksgiving. Even in the midst of great adversity. Even in the midst of adversity. Do you have some adversity in your life today? We all have some adversity. We all have something we're going through. I got a sore leg today. I had a real sore leg today. <laughs> but my sore leg compared to the glory of God is nothing. You see, in Ephesians verse, uh, chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, earlier when Paul was in prison in Rome, he wrote this, he says, Sing and make much music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the God, the Father, for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of it, always giving thanks in every situation, no matter the circumstances. How would that change your life? How would that change society? You know, when somebody comes up and starts complaining, and you, you just start giving thanks. Somebody comes to complain about their job, and you say, oh, I'm so thankful for my job. God's given me this job, and he's given me this to be able to provide for my family. And, you know, sometimes things get rough, but I just go to my God, and I give him thanks, and he provides for me. They'll probably look at you like you're crazy because they're not used to gratitude. They're not used to people giving thanks and being thankful. You see, Thanksgiving for the Apostle Paul, it wasn't a once-a-year celebration, but it was a daily reality. It was a daily reality that changed his life. And it made him joyful. You see, Thanksgiving is not just a holiday. Tomorrow is not just a holiday. Every day is not just supposed to be meant to be just lived normally. We're supposed to live it in Thanksgiving. Because it's a means, it's a lifestyle. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. To show the character of Jesus Christ. That's what Thanksgiving is. It's to show the character and the power of God in a society that needs it. Someone once said, one, <clears throat> one of the most distinctive marks of a believer in Jesus Christ should be thanksgiving. It says, the giving of thanks to God for all of his blessings, we must not allow a spirit of ingratitude to harden our hearts and chill our relationship with God and with others. Because when we're not grateful and we're not giving thanks, there is a, there, there is a very good chance that ingratitude is going to try to come in and it makes us cold. And it makes us hard. Billy Graham once said this. Nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. And he says the flip side of that is, and nothing will do more to restore contentment and the joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness. Being thankful. Giving thanks to God. Now in Luke 17, <clears throat> Jesus tells a story here of one day how he came across 10 lepers. And in the ancient world, leprosy was a very terrible disease, folks. It, was, it wasn't something easy and it wasn't something nice. 
What it did is it, hope, it, it disfigured the person. It ate them. It, it disfigured them. And it permanently cut them off from society. They weren't allowed to be in society. Now, folks, you think isolation for COVID is bad? <laughs> Try being a leper back in those days. They were cut off from everything. They weren't allowed to do anything. They had to be all by themselves off in the wilderness somewhere. So one day, Jesus comes across these 10 lepers. And they cried to Jesus, it says, for mercy. Because you see, every leper yearned for one thing. When I say yearn, it's more than a want. When we yearn for something, it's, it's like the end of the world type thing. Like They yearn for one thing. And what they yearned for was to be healed. That's what a leper yearned for just to get rid of this disease that they had because they were so isolated and so cut off from life. So they see Jesus and they cry out for mercy. And Jesus tells them, go and see the priest because in those days they had to go see the priest in order to be introduced back into society. The priest would allow, would check them over. If they were, had no leprosy, then they could go and they could be normal again. So Jesus tells them, go and see the priest. And as they walked... The Bible says they were healed. Their leprosy was gone. They were free. They were free. Now I'm going to suggest to you something. Ten lepers were healed. And I can guarantee you, ten lepers were thankful. Ten lepers were healed. And I know that 10 lepers were, were, were thankful. If you lived in those days and I would have an interview with you and say, you once had leprosy, are you thankful for not having leprosy anymore? They would have been thankful. They could join back into society. They could see their families. They could find work. They could love again. Everything was added back to their life. Everything that was taken from them. That day when Jesus healed them everything was added back to their life but you see you can be genuine genuinely thankful for a lot of things in your life and never give thanks or acknowledge that the blessing came because god gave it and a lot of times that's what we do we continually reject god by doing so because the giving thanks requires us to acknowledge the giver Giving thanks requires the receiver to humble themselves. You ever receive a gift? What's the first thing you say when you receive a gift? Ah, you shouldn't have. Ah, you shouldn't have done that. Ah, I don't deserve that. I don't. You know, you see, when you receive a gift, like it really, you got to kind of humble yourself, right? To be able to receive that gift because you feel like, well, why did they go and do that for? Why did they give me this? Or we have so many excuses. Just receive the gift. It's hard just to receive the gift. It's hard to humble yourself, right? But giving thanks requires the receiver to humble themselves and to receive the gift. And that's the key to gratitude. It's humility. So now the Bible says only one of the leopards turned back. Only one of the lepers turned back. They came, they fell at Jesus. He came and he fell at Jesus' feet and he gave thanks and he gave praise. One out of ten. But one out of ten learned that his faith played a role in his healing that day. One out of ten 
grew in the understanding of God's grace that day. One out of the ten received the key of humility to unlock the door of gratitude that day. Because gratitude, you see, is the disposition of the heart. Now, I believe with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, that that one leper was healed more than his, God healed more than his leprosy. Because, man, he was by himself. He was an outcast. People would have treated them awful, isolated. Just think of yourself, some of the things that you go through and some of the things that you have to deal with after. You know, you have to deal with the rejection part. You have to deal with the anger. You have to deal with all these things. And it's only God can, that can untangle all of those things in your life. So I believe when this man came, that he wasn't only healed from leprosy, but his heart was healed as well. I believe his heart was totally healed. Because he gave thanks. He was healed from spiritual bankruptcy. Not only physical, but spiritual as well. Now the other nine went away thankful, but they went away thankful and focused on themselves and probably lived self-centered lives. The Bible doesn't say, but you know what? When a heart's not changed by the truth of God, you're going to live a self-centered life. It's just, that's just the way it is. That's the default of the heart. You see, God loves gratitude. He loves a thankful heart, and he loves a voice that's lifted to God in thanks. Because you know what? It gets the attention of heaven. It gets the attention of heaven when we're, when we're grateful and when we're giving thanks. And we receive the blessing of God. And like I said a while ago, a lack of gratitude is really a path to much deeper spiritual problems that we can ever imagine. In the end, Paul says this. I'm coming to a close shortly. He says, in the end, Paul says this. The problem was that they didn't honor and glorify God. And they didn't give thanks. Now, I'm not talking about the lepers. Now, I'm talking about society in general. It says that they would not give thanks to God for all of his goodness and all that he has done. God had given them their very life and so much more. God has given you your life and so much more. And yet sometimes we're not satisfied, aren't we? Sometimes we want more. Sometimes we, we complain a little bit about what's going on in our lives. We complain about our husbands and our families and our children and our jobs. And we just, we, we just complain. See, they wanted life on their own terms. They didn't want God to be the leader and the Lord of their lives. Their lack of thanksgiving that expressed gratitude to God from which all blessings flow, by the way. It led them to depravity. Not giving thanks led them to a place of depravity. And you see, the longer that we don't give thanks, or let's call it prolonged ingratitude, of never giving thanks for what God has placed over your life and over my life and how God has blessed this nation, what it does is it leads to rebellion. And rebellion attracts something else from God. It attracts God's frustration and it attracts God's anger. And folks, we're seeing it all around us. I mean, we live in a small town. We live in a small little place called Camelton. It doesn't take much to go out into the streets and look and see the frustration and depravity of society. That's why God is calling us to be grateful. That's why God is calling us to have a different standard than what the world has. That's why God is asking us to go out and to speak truth 
but with a grateful heart, no matter what's going on in our lives. See, gratitude is an attitude and a response to thankfulness for the kindness of God and others. And when we realize every good thing that we have in life is a result of God's goodness and his kindness, it ought to stir our hearts and set aflame our souls to worship and to give God thanks. When we come in and we lift our hands, it's just saying, it's giving thanks to God. I used to wonder before, I, you know, I'd come to church and wherever I was, even home, just thanking God, different things, you know, and I didn't want to raise my hands. It was like, it took me everything just to try to get my hands up. You know, you're like, well, I want to, but I, uh, but I can't. You know, God showed me one time, it's just because you're just stuck being thankful. You just haven't moved to the giving thanks yet. You know, we don't understand the difference. You're thankful, Doug, but you just can't give thanks. And there's a big difference there. It's so easy to take people for granted, isn't it? And, or even to complain and to become angry because a lot of times they don't meet our every, our every wish or our standards or our needs. But it says we need to give thanks to God for those that are around us. We need to give thanks for our spouses. We need to give thanks for our children. We need to give thanks for our relatives, no matter if they're prickly, no matter what's going on. God, do you think God made a mistake placing you where you are? God, God doesn't make no mistakes. God doesn't make no mistakes. We need to give thanks for our friends and for those that are around us and those that help us also in some way. I like the story here. Billy Graham said, I once received a letter from a woman who began by telling me how fortunate she was to have such a kind and considerate husband. She then used four pages to list all of his faults. <laughs> you know? So he goes on and he says, in all seriousness, he says, how many marriages, how many relationships grow cold and eventually are shattered because of the sin of ingratitude? A lot of times we don't think of ingratitude as a sin, but just like lying is a sin, stealing is a sin, immorality is a sin, in, ingratitude is also a sin. Remember one of the charges that the Bible says against rebellious humanity is this. Remember I read it to you a while ago in Romans 1.21. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. You see, an ungrateful heart is a heart that is cold toward God and indifferent to his mercy and to his love. It's a heart that has forsaken how dependent we are on God for everything. How dependent we are on God for everything. Everything. So the question this morning is this. Do you need a gratitude adjustment? Not just an attitude adjustment, but do you need a gratitude adjustment? Do you need to see, th you know, when we, when we have a gratitude adjustment, when, when we go and we give thanks to God for everything that's in our lives, the blessing, it, it grabs the attention of God. And God begins to speak to us and he begins to let his blessings flow to us and we're able to overflow with joy and that reaches other people and it reaches all of our surroundings. And when it reaches all of our surroundings, like I, I read a while ago, the grace of God is extended to many. And then all of a sudden, those people are giving thanks to the glory of God. So we have to understand this morning, gratitude first starts here. Gratitude starts at the cross. 
If you're a person that says, I complain a lot, I have a hard time to be thankful or to, be, to give thanks. I'm thankful for the things in my life, but to give thanks, I've completely cut out the giver. I've completely cut out acknowledging how God has allowed me to walk in this life and how, what he's given me and all the gifts that he's given me, the people that he's put around my life, the freedom that he's given me, the beautiful place that I have to live. God has given us so much. And the key is humility, and it unlocks the door to thanksgiving. And when we humble ourselves, you see, we're able to receive the free gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus. And we come to understand that God is creator, God is provider, God is the sustainer of life and all things. And when we're solely dependent on him, and when we depend on him, the storehouses and his blessings will meet us here on earth. And sometimes we don't understand that. So this morning I wanted you just to understand that there is, we can be thankful. Ten leopards were thankful, but only one came back and gave thanks. You can be thankful for everything that you have in your life, but you can completely be in sin and completely be on the opposite side of where God is asking you, where he's asking you to come and to give thanks to him. Not just on Sunday, but being a lifestyle every day. Understanding, God, you give me all things. You give me my good times, and you're putting me through trials. Like Pastor Mona was saying this morning, we can thank God through trials because he's given us a time to be able to learn and to be able to grow, maybe a time more to depend on him and, and leading us out of some of the darkness that we've allowed to come into our lives. So I'm going to ask Erica, wherever she is, to come in. Uh, she's going to lead us in one song, and then we're going to come back with one more scripture. And we're going to pray this morning that God will help us to understand his word, help us to understand the dangers of being uh, not giving thanks and be able just to come to him and thank God for everything that he's surrounded in our lives today. I think that we can sing just how worthy he is. And when we recognize how worthy God is, he's worthy of our thanks. He's worthy of our praise and our thanksgiving as uh, our brother Doug spoke about this morning. So let's just sing and just take that moment to give him thanks in your hearts as we sing this song.
finish off with this one last scripture psalms 95 1 to 6 says this come let us sing for joy to the lord 
Let us shout aloud to the Lord, the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountains peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he has made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for all things. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you're sovereign. God, I, th I thank you, Lord, that you're living. God, and you're not dead. You see us. You care about us. God, you take care of your people. You take, you take care of those, God, that acknowledge your name. Father, your word says, blessed is the man who trusts in, him, in you. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you praise this morning. God, for the splendor and the glory of who you are. God, you've blessed us so much as a country. You've blessed us so much as a people. And God, this morning, Lord, we just sing to you and we worship you. God, we raise our hands and our voices to you as creator, as provider, and as sustainer of life. God, knowing that we need you and we need to fully depend upon you. So, Father, I pray for the hearts of the people this morning, Lord, that they'll not only be thankful, but they'll give thanks. And they'll come to a place of realizing, Lord, that you love them. And God, I pray for those this morning that could be here or might be online that don't know who you are. God, that they'll reach out. God, they'll come. God, they'll be able to find, God, hope in who you are. God, that they can reach out to us here. Lord, that they can contact us through many different ways with the website. And God, that you will use us as vessels to be able to speak life into the people that you bring to us. So, Father, we, again, we thank you this morning. We give you thanks for all that you do and for all that you are. And, God, help us to leave today, God, knowing that you're, you see us and you're with us. And, God, everything that surrounds our lives, God, is not by chance, Lord. You allow things sometimes. You're the one, that God, that allows things into our lives, Lord, just to be able to grow. And, Lord, to be able to, imp just to improve the confidence that we have in you and the faith that we have in you. So, Father, we thank you this morning. Go before us, and we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.